0: Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room. I'm Katie.
1: And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss.
0: And in today's episode we're going to be talking about whether or not the key person approach is an outdated concept to be using in early years settings. So as early years practitioners, we know that the key person approach is a background in attachment theory. So an attachment is the emotional bond that forms between a child and a caregiver. In an early year setting, this person is known as the key person. So as the child develops, these attachments grow and it allows them to develop cognitively, socially and emotionally. And eventually it means that they can separate from their main caregiver or care- caregivers to explore new areas and ideas and concepts without distress. So what does the key person approach look like in the earlier settings you guys have worked in?
1: As a key person, you would be responsible for looking after those children, knowing their care routine, knowing what their interests were. If they had any like medical issues or anything like that, you would be in charge of like the observations, planning the activities that you thought the child would be interested in, taking photos of them, updating their parent apps and things like that. Nappies, any sort of like routine during the day.
2: Yeah, I think to build on that as well, you're, like you are the point of contact. For the parent as well. If they have any questions or issues, they kind of come to the key person of their child. In general, you're just there to provide the home-from-home environment. And then, as well, the admin
0: that comes with each child by, you know, their observations, their assessments, their reports, anything that, like you say goes on between parent, family, nursery, community, home. So the key person dips out of so many different jobs. But a lot of different people have, obviously, different approaches on it. So,
2: so obviously, us three have been earlier as practitioners, so we've all had different experiences of the key person approach. So, like, what did it kind of look like for you? How rigid was it? Is it more relaxed? Okay, so
0: as a manager and a room leader, I was quite often organising those attachments. And I've put that in air quotes for the listeners who can't see, because I think that's quite a weird concept that we have to do in early years. So we're the ones deciding who that child has the attachment relationship with, which has always sat a bit weird with me. So I think you can sometimes tell immediately that a child has come in and they've formed a really strong connection with a very particular practitioner, But sometimes when you're assigning that key person relationship, I don't know what your guys' experience of it, but I would sometimes have to be like, well, this child does Tuesday, Wednesday. Katie works on a Tuesday and Wednesday. She's the only member of staff that does those exact patterns. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, it was similar where I worked. I mean, a few times we'd give a child to a certain member of staff, but in a few weeks we'd have to swap Mm -hmm. because this child just wasn't gelling with a certain person or they were just taking more to somebody else. So sometimes a lot of it was swap and change. Yeah. Just kind of going off the vibe of um the child. I mean, we we'd get some children that would go to anyone, they weren't bothered, they mm-hmm. they just wanted to come and play at nursery, and then you get some that were quite emotional and they needed that bond with some like a certain person and they would have quite a strong with a specific staff member
0: so were you at your were you having to decide before the child arrived who their key person was was it during their settling in sessions within a certain time period of them start, like what was how how quick was that decision had to
1: be made if it was a child who was new to the bit like to the nursery and they, they were we didn't know who they were we'd let them come in the room and see how they reacted with the staff but if it was a child moving from the neck the room next door I would already like, give them to a certain person. I mean, it was really bad because sometimes you'd be like, oh, well, they've got 10 and they've got six, and you would have to just give them to the person who had the least amount, which is really, not really how you should do it, but that's how sometimes I had to do it because people would be like, oh, well, I've got too many, I can't do all those observations. So they'd have to give it to someone who had less, but then they might have a better bond, this child might have a better bond with someone else. So it's quite hard to work around, I think. Yeah. When I
0: was thinking, when we were looking at the children that were in preschool, because it's a little bit of a wide age range, so we had three to five, we'd often find that someone would have the older ones so that when all the school leavers left, they would then become the key person for Mm -hmm. all the new preschoolers moving up from toddlers if you think about what we've said about how what the key person relationship is like that's exactly the opposite of mm-hmm. how it does work so I don't know if you right. ever noticed a convenience element I with mean yours.
2: in terms of age our setting became quite like that so because of when I started I got all the babies moving down mm-hmm. so I had all children who were just turned two as my key, key children over the course of like three months whereas all the other practitioners in the room had children that were about to move through so like when I started I didn't get given other people's key children I just ended up having all the young ones which I didn't think was quite right like I was always doing like development updates at the same time well, yeah, because it sounds like you'd end up at sort of one point having four or five assessments yeah. to do within yeah, a really short that, period and of time. Happened. So I, I don't know, I guess it's just by the way that the room leader decides to organise key people. When a new person starts, do you give them key children from someone else has got children or do you wait until new children start or children transition? Like the balance of the mix of children that you end up having, I think, can sometimes get really like thrown off.
0: So I think we've all kind of had this shared experience where in an ideal world, it's formed on relationship. But the reality is, is because of the way that a nursery works day to day that's actually really difficult to implement in how it looks in your setting
2: i think as well in terms of the organizational side of it if a child was starting new to the nursery so like starting new in toddlers not as a baby key person was often assigned ahead of it so that the parents started knowing that the child already had a key person oh interesting yeah so I don't know if that necessarily works, but like that was the person to do the settling in sessions for that child because the parents have been told this is going to be your child's key person. And I think maybe from a parent perspective, maybe they they like that. I don't know. They feel like they've got someone as soon as they move into the setting, not maybe realising the sign of like, oh, the child might not. Like kind of what Charlotte's setting did, like let the child see who they want to and then assign it when they start the nursery. So I don't know, maybe parents probably feel like they want to have that key person approach sorted out before the child starts for a bit more reassurance for them, but maybe necessarily it doesn't always work favourably for the child.
0: Yeah, so actually very similarly in my setting, it was always the room leader. They were in charge of all of the settling in and then they would sort of delegate out that relationship, mm -hmm. which is such a strange concept because it shouldn't be built on you work the same hours that they're in or you've got the least amount of key children you've got all the children that are moving up to preschool so you should have this one
2: i remember in my experience i got told i was getting a new child that was starting turns out i was on holiday the date that she was meant to be starting so then all of a sudden she wasn't my key child anymore like someone else got in because they were in the building when she was starting but originally they were assigned to me but to be fair in the end i didn't have that relationship like that close bond with that child so it wouldn't have worked out anyway
0: like a relationship with a partner (laughs) (laughs) my key child has broken up with me (laughs) And actually from when we were talking before the podcast, you both mentioned occasions where the key person relationship wasn't working out or you might have a key person that was
2: slightly over attached to their key children. Mm-hmm. the attachments in some ways because they were so hung up on the key person approach that mm-hmm. they had to have these attachments to their, them children, even if that child didn't actually want that practitioner like... I had experiences where children weren't my key child and they were more to me than their key person. I knew way more about that child because they played with me most of the time. So I could have done all their observations and their development updates way easier than their own key person could have because of the way the system works.
1: There's not a lot of flexibility, is there, with it? Like you said, if you can get an observation on a child because they're doing something with you, why not? Just because they're not your key child. But some people would get like funny about it or say, oh, well... I've already got an observation on them so I don't need yours mm-hmm. or people be quite well you're know, like not protective, protective over their own key a, child yeah. where I wasn't really that fussed like I'd be yeah. grateful for well we implemented um, a
2: buddy system for the key person approach in terms of like what we're saying that often you get assigned a key child to you because they're in on the same days that you work and the shift mm-hmm. patterns but um we did a buddy approach for days that we weren't in so, so another practitioner would buddy up with me and they'd do observations of my child on days that I weren't in or I was on holiday a backup buddy yeah so like kind <laughs> of just like being like be aware of their key children as well as your own and get observations of them if you if you see things that happen
0: which sounds great in principle but again as the buddy it's just a little bit of extra responsibility <laughs> yeah. on a day where you're potentially already quite yeah. busy but I assume hopefully that
2: would have been taken as, into consideration as a practitioner, you know all the children are set, you're with them every day so if I notice something of one of my of a, of, of a child that wasn't my key child I just be like oh so and so they've just done
1: this like Mm
0: -hmm. I do think that's our responsibility as well as an Mm early years practitioner in general is I think you need to have that really close relationship with every child in the room Charlotte mentioned before about Ofsted and how Ofsted could come in and ask you about any child Mm -hmm. then they're not necessarily going to preface that with is that child over there your key child great what's their next steps and their interests but because we're with these children all day I think for the most part every practitioner in the room should be able to say that child loves dinosaurs and we're really working on tying their shoelaces at the moment or we're really working on turn taking I just think that should be sort of consistent within the room like everyone should be aware of where each child is at and you might not necessarily be able to go he's in this range and this is exactly what we're doing but I think everyone has at least a vague awareness of what the others yeah. are do- every child's doing.
2: In that scenario you'd say the key person approaches in needed because yeah. you should know every child i mean the only time we say like well what happens when it comes to observations and writing their development updates who does that if everyone's got responsibility for every child yeah in point. terms of the relationship so you can see like two sides to it. Like, yeah, every ch- every practitioner should know every child and, like you say, their interests and what their development's like. But when it comes to actually writing that down on pen and paper to send out to parents, who does that? I think they will get missed. Not
1: saying that certain staff members wouldn't do stuff, but I'd, if people didn't have key a key person system and you were just doing it as like a bit of a everyone looks after everyone, mm-hmm. I do think some children would get missed because I wouldn't remember who would had an observation maybe and yeah. who hadn't, yeah. and if certain children had, had the same amount of put as the other children and if you're in a bigger nest yeah and we used to have like 24
2: in preschool on a full day so an
1: organisational nightmare I
2: thought it was interesting as well earlier you said Charlotte how you used to like upload the photos on the parents app keep by key person so did not like updating the parent app updating the daily diaries and the pictures and what they've and what like that. that should just go down to key person I mean like we yeah. used to have a rotor who did the iPad that day and they just took pictures of every child what about nappies in your setting was that by key person or
1: yeah key person
0: only do their key child yes yeah. You couldn't just, like, if a nappy needed doing, it, it would have to be the key person. It couldn't just be, oh, I've...
1: It was based on certain staff members because some staff members really liked to do
2: their key child snappy and then others weren't as bothered.
0: There needs to be consistency with that approach.
2: The benefits and also the negatives of being a key person... Do nappies like for us? We had it on a rotor system. Like I did nappies one day, someone the next day, so everyone had the fair share of nappies. And you've been in general like you playing and you spot a nappy, you spot a poo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're playing game hide and seek no. with the poo. <laughs> no, if you're if you're playing and you smell poo, yeah. you, you're the one you to find you it. You find the you poo, smell it, definitely, you and know, all that. Sort for of sure, stuff. yeah. yeah. So the person whose nappies day it was was busy you go and change it for them it's like the teamwork in the room I just start getting all like conflicts and Tricky. stuff like that yeah I can see why a key person would want to do their key child's nappy because of I don't know when you are changing nappies you do often see them development things like you you're distracting them singing songs and stuff and they might say new words often you'd have I'd have amazing conversations with the children whilst I'm doing the nappies so I can see why they'd want to do that but then also just the one key person doing their key child's nappies that it brings in a whole other element of safeguarding. They could easily just miss something like a little scratch or yeah. things like that. And it's good to have someone different changing the nappies. The cult concept of safety yeah.
0: in numbers, like the more people that yeah. are seeing it, the yeah. more likely a mistake is to be picked up on. Or if it's just the same person doing the same thing, you're gonna go blind to certain stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think throwing it on the head as well, is not not accusing early practitioners of not following safeguarding yeah. but easily they could see it as nothing and not report it because they think all oh, the child's just mm-hmm. saying this right. so then if one child's only constantly telling one person and they're not actually acknowledging that it's an issue.
0: In my teaching degree we didn't really cover attachment theory because you're looking at that older age range anyway from five so we all know that attachment theory it's throughout life but it is very much based in early years so I went straight into nursery without that knowledge and just sort of encountered it as we've discussed so I didn't know any different it's only when I start doing my master's degree and it was part of my dissertation that I really started looking into it and where this to me it's just more cemented that from my personal experience it is purely organisational and that it's not how I think the key person Mm -hmm. approach is intended to have been and I think a lot of practitioners maybe what we're saying right now is going to be a little bit like (gasps) how dare they I think the key person approach needs to be bought into 2023. I don't know what that looks like. And even when I was studying for my master's, I didn't quite come up with anything that I thought suited. So maybe it's like something that needs to be taken on a nursery by nursery basis. But I just think it should be rooted in this sort of like team teaching approach. But then there's also this idea that is the key person approach actually just more suit for the younger age range? That's what
2: I was going to say. I think, I think mm. especially when the babies are starting nursery and they are, also, they are just developing the attachments with their parents and getting separation anxiety. It might be their first instance of being separated from their parents mm-hmm. for a long time, so that separa- separation anxiety is at its highest. So that's why I think it is needed for them to build that second secure attachment with the practitioner and the other ones in the room. But as they move through rooms...
0: You'd expect it to get bigger, like yeah. wider and wider connections
2: and Do they need that one to one? Yeah, into one intimate care with only one practitioner. When in reality, it should it doesn't work like that in a in a nursery room. I think in preschool, I'd say the majority of the children would go to anyone. But is that
1: because they've had that solid one to one in baby room? Yeah, probably widened out until they've got to yeah. preschool. And I think obviously that they don't need somebody as much as mm-hmm. a younger child would. And if they, especially if they start the nursery as a baby. But yeah, I definitely think it is needed.
2: I found that as well as in terms of when you're covered in other rooms. So I've I covered in babies quite a lot. So I formed a lot of attachments when I was in babies. This is the only time I got given a key child based on an actual bond that I had. Because <laughs> I said to my. One time. Yeah. Because I said to my room leader, I said, when I'm upstairs, this little boy, he loves me. He comes over to me. Like, I've got a really good, like, bond with him. He's moving down in, like, two months. Can he be my key child? Because I feel like I've already got that relationship. My little best friend. She was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's fine. And that's the only time that I ever actually had a key person assigned to me based on bond so I think like say coming back to what we said at the very beginning it is, is it used in the right way just yeah. for the organisational purposes or for the attachments so
0: we could go on about this for hours and hours clearly we'll leave it there with a little bit of food thought and we'll now head into our practitioner problems section
2: yeah so for this week's practitioner problems we have a question and it is any ideas to help encourage children to tidy up
0: I think if anyone can solve this one they will become an early years hero
2: because <laughs> <laughs> it used to be the most stressful part of the day i think it varies between children some children generally will just want to help and tidy up and some mm-hmm. of us they just want to carry on playing
1: yeah i mean we in preschool we used to try music so it'd be like oh can everybody tidy up by the time this song's finished but then after a few times they got used to it and then it wore off and then they were like i don't care if the song's not <laughs> finished i'm just gonna still carry on playing if it was quite directed like how to tidy up they would do
0: it so like i would have to get out like the block box i'd be like, right, can we all find all of the blocks and put them in the block, and then that would happen. And then we get the next box out. Yeah. Otherwise, everything would end up really messed up. And then all the time we all spent printing those labels yeah. and the pictures was a waste for everyone. And I
2: think that's a good point because you're actually there with them doing the tidying up. I think if you're as a practitioner, time right. Look, tidy up time, and expecting them to tidy up, and you're not modelling that behaviour of tidying up to them, mm-hmm. they're not going to think that they need to do it. It's a really good point, role modelling. Um, yeah, I'm, I think in settings that I've been in, we put a five minute timer on to say five more minutes, and then we're tidying up. We just like tied up with them as, it, as they went along. Or
0: You're not like standing above the child, pointing down at them. Yeah, You need to tidy up the blocks. It's getting down to their level, doing it with them. It's a group activity, isn't
1: it? I mean, toddlers tidying up is probably one of the biggest tasks.
0: Babies aren't that bad. I always with baby room. I used to take the box to them and then it's just You're looking at grasping and stuff. So that's easy. Toddlers, when you're trying to get them to be independent, and they are sassy, Mm. so they do say no. Mm. Uh, So our answer is there is no answer. (laughs) If anyone figures it out, let (laughs)
1: us know. So
0: thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, you can find us on our multitude of social media platforms. We've got Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram. TikTok. If there's a social media platform, there is a huge chance that we're on it. So you can get in touch with us anywhere. In the meantime, we'll see you for our next episode. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.